Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right another week, and we are talking wide receiver play here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 181. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I catch up with Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis to talk about wide receiver play. And Coach Gaddis is one of the most accomplished wide receiver coaches in college football. Really, if you look at some of these guys that have come out of college over the last few years, not many have been more technically refined than the guys that he has taught. We'll get into some of those guys here in the coming moments, but Coach Gaddis was gracious enough to catch up with us before he went out on summer vacation here and talk about wide receiver play. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to welcome in Michigan, Michigan Offensive Coordinator Josh Gaddis. Coach, uh, welcome to Chalk Talk here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We're going to talk about wide receiver play, and you're uh, one of the best you know, technicians in terms of teaching the wide receiver position in college football. Uh, obviously in your role as the offensive coordinator now, a little bit of a step back in dealing with the receivers this year with the Wolverines, but what you've done over the last few years uh, at Alabama, at Penn State, at Vanderbilt, uh, throughout each of your stops, throughout your coaching career, uh, you could just see all those guys and how well coached they are entering the NFL. So really, really happy to have you on. And I want to to start with this. And the first question I've got for you, you're building the prototype wide receiver. All right. So you're starting from scratch. What's the number one trait that you're going to start with? The number one, the trait that you need to be high level for the prototype wide receiver in today's game? Well, you know, I think it really kind of breaks down to three areas I kind of really look for um, is they got to have uh, you know, they got to have great speed, balance, and body control. Um, and, and those three areas, I think, really allow a receiver uh, to be able to create transition. Um, and, and I like guys to have really good forward lean, good, good stride length, um, because their ability to, to eat up grass and to step on the toes of a defender, um, but they also have to be loose in the hips. Um, and that comes with their balance and body control and being able to transition um, you know, I've, I've had success with receivers that have been straight line fast. I've had success with receivers who haven't had as much straight line speed. Um, but the difference between the elite receivers is their movement, their ability to get in and out of cuts, um, their ability to stick their foot in the ground and control their body, as well as being able to turn their body, uh, because that's what allows you to create that separation to get open, and that's really where the foundation um, of the receiver play really starts at. And a lot of that just screams to me. Jerry Judy, one of your former pupils. We'll we'll get to him a, a little bit later in the conversation. But uh, let, let's get to the next question. My next question for you is this: What's the most important part of playing wide receiver? That you know, maybe us on the outside, you know, fans and media, we don't necessarily talk about too much, but it's really, really integral to playing the the position at a high level. I think, you know, uh, things that, you know, it's kind of really body control, you know, to have an elite body control, you know, that's kind of one of the things when you talked about, you know, Jerry Judek, he has elite body control, um, to being able to control his movements, whether that's in short area space or being able to turn um, and control his movements. 
Um, and I think that's something that, you know, is, is often overlooked. You know, everyone's always looking for the guy that can run straight line fast or, or the fastest guy on the field. That's not necessarily the case. If that was the case, we would just go recruit all the track athletes across the world and line them up at receiver. Um, but you've got to be able to have the ability to control that speed, um, to play within different tempos or being able to play within short area space. Um, and that's what separates the good from the great ones. And really, I guess that kind of plays into my next question for you. And I want to just talk to you about route running. And for those of you that don't follow Coach Gaddis uh, on Twitter, he he always posts great clips and is great, giving great coaching points uh, on on social media. Just about the wide receiver position, but especially about route running. And I, I love just kind of reading the, the points that you post uh, on Twitter because you always kind of hit on a lot of the subtleties of route running. And really, I wanted to break my question up into two parts because, you know, you look at route running and kind of two different facets. There's the physical traits that you need from, a, you know, all the tools that you need, but then also there's the technical aspects. And you've talked on uh, some of those points already. And you talk about body control and, you know, ankle flexion and things like that, uh, the, that ability to create the separation what are those tools that you need you you expanded you talked about a little bit but just expand on what what are those physical tools that guys need to be able to create that separation for themselves as route runners yeah you know i'm I'm a big believer in what you just mentioned as far as the physical tools i think everyone uh, gets caught up into the mental physical ability of playing receiver Um, i consider um, playing receiver about 25 percent physical uh, is in your physical attributes and, and the, your God-given ability and more 75% mental as far as having a plan, um, understanding how to apply um, technique and detail um, and being able to turn that into production. Um, and it all starts with having a plan. One of the things that we always talk about in, in teaching our receivers is we want to dictate the, the movements of the defender, um, whether that's by manner, zone, coverage, techniques, or whether that's even at the line of scrimmage in our releases. Um, we get very detailed um, in providing our receivers a plan um, that they always know how they're going to release based on leverage or technique. We break down press coverage into four different types of press. Um, and then now you're looking at inside leverage, outside leverage, head up to inside, head up to outside. And that even applies um, even at the second level with specific rules that we give them um, in order to put them in position to be successful. Uh, and so when we can master the mental aspect of it, as far as having a plan, um, knowing what kind of release I'm going to have, how I'm going to run my route, whether at the top, uh, how to affect the defender, um, then that allows you to be able to dictate his movement that allows you to win uh, at the top of the route or throughout the route uh, itself. But uh, the mental part of playing receiver uh, is the most detailed uh, part of any position group, I would argue, in football. And oftentimes people say, well, you know, maybe it's quarterbacks or offensive line, but, you know, I'm, I'm biased. I, I believe the skill and craft that it takes to play receiver in today's age um, is the most detailed position on the field. What's the hardest part about, about that, about the mental side to, to be able to teach? Obviously, each player is, is different and individual and, and is going to have the, you know, their different difficulties in picking up certain things. But you know, overall, what, what is the hardest part of that to teach for a young receiver in terms of being able to be a successful route runner? Um, you know, I think it's just the discipline of staying true to your detail and technique. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, guys like to freelance or, or kind of do try little sub moves that, you know, maybe they're experimenting or something. But, um, you know, the hardest thing for teaching receivers early on um, is, is, is making them understand how 
their detail and how their route um, applies to the overall scheme. Um, you've got to be able to coach the individual one-on-one wide receiver, uh, but also turn them into a team and a scheme wide receiver. Everyone goes out and does one-on-one routes um, with the defender, but how does that route apply within a concept? Um, I've got to know whether I'm the first or second progression uh, as far as how fast I need to win on my route or the details of a certain release. Uh, and that's the hardest thing to teach young receivers today is uh, how to take the individual route runner um, that they all like to be. They love one-on-ones. They love just going out and running routes. But then now making them fit within the overall schematic standpoint. Okay, this is the certain type of release you need to have because of this inside route. I've got to know what's happening around me in order for the overall play to be successful. And so, um, you know, uh, making sure that they stay disciplined in their detail and technique and they don't become a reactionary receiver. We should never react to what a defender is doing. Um, if you're reacting to what he's doing, then that means you didn't have a plan to dictate his initial movements. Um, there's very few times we want to react, um, but we want to be able to be in a position where we dictate how we run a route, who we're affecting, uh, and overall making – Um, the concept itself that we're running as successful as possible for the quarterback. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, we're, we're getting ready to get into training camp here in a few weeks. And, you know, there's going to be clips all around the NFL from one-on-one drills. And, you know, you'll see sometimes where uh, a receiver will run, you know, not a double move, but, you know, three or four moves and get open and make a catch. And everybody say, oh, man, what, what a great route by the receiver. And the DB is like, all right, well, in a, in a typical game, you know, in the, he's <laughs> that late in the down, he's not getting the ball unless this is going to be some kind of scramble drill. And a lot of people, you'll see this right. often, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you know because you're so awesome. Uh, active on social media, you see it too with uh, you know with recruiting from these camps that you happen to have in the summer. You know, a guy will run a sluggo route or some kind of double move, and, and people will retweet and retweet and say, "What a great route! What a great route runner!" Just because the guy wins on a sluggo, I mean that's a, I mean that's a great route, but that doesn't mean that he's a great route runner. So a lot of the things that you pointed to earlier, those are the aspects. I, I want to see if a guy can win on a slant. I want to see if a guy can win, you know, on a corner route, uh, 12, 15 yards down the field. Those are the things where you say, all right, this guy's got the ability to win. Right, you one hundred percent correct, right there, Fran. It, it's amazing, you know, when the one on ones come out, everyone wants to rely on a double move. And double moves are fine because you always got to keep the uh, keep the defender honest. Uh, but the little details are come with the simplest routes. Can you win on a slant? Can you win on a dig versus inside leverage? Um, those are the details that you got to master. Okay, because the double moves those are those are gimmicks. Those are are, are called shots within a game. Uh, but being able to apply your detail and technique to allow you to win on a concept, as well as not taking too long. Um, understanding that everything has timing for the quarterback. Okay, if the quarterback's in a five-step drop uh, and it's a five and, and, and uh, no hitch throw, you can't be taking all day long to win or get open. Uh, and so that's the thing that you really got to preach within receivers in today's age is how do you how do you become successful within the scheme of things? Um, I often tell my guys sometimes there's a time and a place when you can put a little sauce on it at the top of the route. Okay, but then there's a time and a place where you can't put too much salt because it affects the other routes around you. So you got to know schematically within the scheme that you're running. Okay, when is it that I can, you know, I can add a little salt or a little something extra uh, onto my route, and how I can do that by not just playing outside the framework of the offense, but playing within the framework of it. Yeah, you talk about throwing some sauce on the top of the route at the end, late in the down. Uh, I want to ask you about early in the down and kind of beating the jam, and it all goes along with timing uh, of the pass play. 
What is most important when defeating press coverage for a receiver? Is it the feet or the hands? If you have to have one or the other, uh, what are you wanting to work with first? Well, releases start from the ground and work themselves up. But I'm a firm believer, okay, you win releases with your shoulders. Mm. Um, I've gotten away from the hands a little bit um, over the years. Um, but it all comes up top, playing with a low surface, skinny in the surface. Uh, it, it, it's like in boxing. When boxers jab, uh, they turn and skinny the surface with their shoulders. You know, if they uppercut, they're always punching through something, and they're turning that torso. Uh, and, and to be able to release, uh, win at the release point, you've got to skinny the surface away from the defender. If my chest opens up towards the defender, he's going to be able to allow his hand placement to be able to, to capture my inside pad and be able to replace his hands. Um, when my shoulders turn away from the defender, his hand is eventually going to end up slipping off me at some point. And if I'm playing at good pad level and not allowing his, his hands to get underneath my pads, he's gonna, I'm going to be able to come off that release. Uh, and, and that is the outcome of any release, regardless of how well I move a defender at the line of scrimmage with my feet, whether I single jab or whether I'm working a single move release or a double move release, I always want to win with my shoulders. Uh, and, and when we talk about skinning the surface, the less surface area they have to hit, the more likely I'm going to win on every one of those releases. And I guess then, therefore, you're able to then get a little bit more vertical, right? If you're reducing the surface area, you can attack vertically downfield a little bit with that release. A lot of times you'll see, you know, it's almost like a, a gunner covering a punt. Those guys are just releasing to the sideline and just trying to get vertical. But that takes away some of the timing from, uh, from the pass play as well, right? Absolutely. You know, it's all about how can I get speed up the field and get vertical. Um, you know, you don't want to do too much standing there in your own shadow and release. And, it, and it's a great example, you know, uh, like gunners, you know, they, they don't really do any moves at the line of scrimmage. They just, they just dip and skinny the surface and release, you know, vertical for width. Now, we always talk about slipping the hip of the defender, making sure we're tight to the defender, being in a position to either press back the stack and get vertical, um, but allowing our speed to get down the field. Um, not just taking the easiest release possible as far as running away from the defender, but we really want to stay tight to him, skinny that surface of our shoulders, okay, and then get vertical, whether it's an inside breaking route or an outside breaking route where maybe we may press back the stack. Uh, but once we skinny that surface and now we can get hip, hip, get hip, hip, we can slip the hip of the defender, uh, and now we give him the vertical threat of, you know, he's got to have the ability to, to cover anything deep, um, and, and we can dictate whether it's an inside or outside uh, release of how we can affect uh, the, the DB. Well, long-time listeners of the show may remember back, uh, this was, I think, two off-seasons ago, we uh, talked with the Eagles legend Mike Quick just about wide receiver play overall and uh, you know everything that he looks for at the position. And one of the, the most important parts of that conversation was the difference between hands and ball skills. And I wanted to present that topic to you and just ask you, in your opinion, what's the difference, and if you could just kind of uh, explain it to our listeners so they can kind of visualize it, between a receiver that's got good hands and a receiver that's got good ball skills? Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think uh, ball skills is something you can teach, okay? Um, and, and, you know, it's like uh, as golfers go out, you know, no one really, you know, uh, wakes up and they're born really good in golf. you gotta, you got to get reps at it. you got to focus on the details. Um, but we break down catching the football um, into a couple different, you know, um, into a couple, uh, into a process, really. Uh, you know, obviously, um, the first and foremost thing is you catch with your eyes. Okay, and once that eyes, once my eyes locate that football, it's my hand's job to really uh, follow my eyes and catch the ball. But then at that point, 
it's my hand. Once the ball is in my hands, it's my hand's job to bring that ball back into my body, but it's my eye's job to follow that in. And that's when we talk about exaggerating the look in. Okay. Drops don't happen from guys with bad hands. Anybody can catch a football. Um, drops happen for one of three things. Okay. And that's what we really break it down. Poor eye discipline, bad hand placement. Okay. Or bad body position. Uh, and when you look at every drop, it's going to fall in one of those three categories. So we do a really good job of making sure um, that the two things we emphasize the most, okay, is eye discipline and hand placement. You'll be amazed at how many drops happen, you know, when my, you know, when my hand placement is jacked up and when we, we use certain techniques on routes to make sure our shoulders are open uh, to never allow the ball to be able to cross our eyes uh, because that's the hardest catch in football is when the ball has the ability to cross the eyes. Uh, and we really want, we want that to happen on any kind of deep ball thrown over the shoulder. But if we're working a dig route, we want to pin our shoulder flat so our thumbs can be out in front of our eyes. And the two uh, methods that we use as far as our hand placement is either thumbs together or pinkies together. Anything above the waist, we're thumbs together. Anything below the waist, we're going to drop the head and eyes and go sure. pinkies together. Uh, we never want to make a diamond, okay, because when you make a diamond with your hands, and I was taught that early on in football, but when you make a diamond with your hands, you actually lose flexibility at the wrist and at the elbows to be able to give with the football. And the other thing that happens is hand placement becomes an issue when your elbows turn out because you can do so many different configurations of your hands. We always want our elbows bent within the framework of our body and never want our elbows out. Uh, so when people often say that maybe a guy has good hands or bad ball skills, it all comes down to ball skills for me. Everybody's got good hands. Um, everybody has the ability to, to catch something, um, but it comes down to your ball skills. And ball skills really detail um, eye discipline, hand placement, uh, and body and body position. Coach, where does the ability to track a deep ball? You know, we talked about this a lot now with with Deshaun Jackson returning to Philadelphia, and that's one of the the traits that I don't think he gets enough credit for. I think with with fans and with the media is his ability to track the deep ball. How, how do you kind of is there, are you able to coach that up, or is that something that is just kind of God given? Let me tell you, Deshaun. I, I've got a chance to study Deshaun Jackson a few years ago. Um, and I, I can say this not because I'm on this podcast, but because <laughs> I actually appreciate receiver play. Um, there is nobody in the NFL that has a, has better ball skills or ball judgment of deep balls than Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he's elite uh, at what he does. But uh, that's probably one of the hardest things, you know, early on to teach guys um, because there's a little bit of ball skills that rely on that as far as, um, but there's also some depth perception of how you perceive that ball when it's in the air. And, and it goes back to having elite body control um, because at some point, you know, you maybe uh, may overrun a ball and you've got to slow down or, you know, you're tracking a ball um, and it's over your outside shoulder and the ability to turn and torque your body uh, to get yourself in great position and be able to make the catch. Um, there's a lot of things, and that's one of the hardest skill sets, especially when we talk about tracking it over the outside shoulder. Uh, when guys have elite ball skills, um, it increases their catch radius. Um, you can have a five-nine receiver, but if he's got elite ball skills, he plays as big as a six-foot receiver. Um, if you got a six-four receiver and he has, you know, average ball skills, he plays about at six-one. So that's why you know size really doesn't uh, doesn't really play a factor um, in, in you know as far as height. Some of that is good. But you're overall looking at what is their catch radius, what's their ball skills like, because you can have a smaller guy with elite ball skills uh, and he plays bigger, and that's one of the skill sets that Deshaun Jackson has. Um, it's his ability to have an elite uh, catch radius uh, and being able to track balls. But that's a 
that's a combination of a God-given bit, uh, 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 gift that he has, um, being able to, to judge those balls in the air as well as having elite body control um, and, and trusting his ball skills. Coach, for guys that are great after the catch, you know, we've talked a lot about that in all this podcast over the last year or so. Um, yards after catch, in your mind, more mental or more physical? Yeah, yards after catch is more physical. You know, um, you know obviously the details and, and separation um, allow, you to, uh, allow you to get open and be in position to, to have yards after catch. But that's all, you know, it's all physical. Some guys um, are going to have great yak. Um, it's really it's something that I really don't put too much um, stock into um, as far as, uh, of course, we all love the guy that has the ability to take something, you know, small and turn it into something big. Uh, but you also have to be careful that you're also not doing too much out in space mm-hmm. um, because understanding that, you know, keeping the ball in the outside arm, not cutting back across the defense because bad things happen when you do too much. Um, but those are just God-given abilities that some guys have, but it kind of really goes back to what's that skill set. If they've got great feet and they have the ability to stick their foot in the ground or the ability to sink their hips and drop their weight and control their body, um, and they have great um, body control, they're going to have the ability uh, to play great in short area space and make people miss. Um, but that's truly a God-given skill set, um, and that's nothing – any coach in America actually works in practice at receivers. Uh, we're more so working transition and, and foot placement and, and, and how to create separation. And then once they get the ball, um, to allow their skill sets to take over from there. So we've talked about receiver play from snap to finish. And so I want to ask you now this, Coach, and I think I know where we're going to go with this, but I want to ask just in case. When you're watching film of a receiver, whether it's you know one of your own guys or you know high school, uh, NFL, another college team, What's the one thing that a guy might do? And it might be something small. It might be you know, a minute part of the game that kind of makes you sit up in your seat and say, okay, like, th- this guy's got it. Well, what is that one little thing that a guy might do that gives him that little extra oomph in your mind? I think it's lateral movement and ability. Um, and really you see that on second-level release. You know, whether it's a nickel playing at five yards in a tighter technique or a linebacker, um, I love to see guys play with their knees inside their ankles. Okay, being able to play with their feet outside the framework, um, whether it's some kind of lateral movement. It's like in basketball, um, when you see a point guard, you know, the thing that excites people in basketball, yeah, the three-pointer is nice, but when you see someone cross somebody over, um, that really gets the crowd going. And regardless if they go score with that ball, but that's the same kind of movement that we're looking for at receiving. When you see a guy being able to play with his knees inside of his ankles, um, being able to have his hips shift and see his hips, uh, sink and his weight drop down, and you can see that initial movement, whether it's at the line of scrimmage or second level release, you know you got something special. Um, and so I, I love to see lateral movement and ability and how can guys, you know, sink their weight being able to play in that position um, to where their knees are inside their ankles. And, and if I see that on film, I know I can coach a lot in that young man. Well, I mentioned him earlier, and Jerry Judy, he's got some of that lateral movement that uh, that you're talking about for sure. I studied him this week, and just a, a really, really impressive athlete with what he's able to do just from uh, ankles up, just a, you know, from from a flexibility standpoint, a body control standpoint. Uh, he's got a lot of juice, a lot of suddenness. And, Coach, you, you've coached so many guys over the last few years. You know, you go back to, to Vanderbilt, and you coach Jordan Matthews. You go to Penn State, uh, Deshaun Hamilton and Chris Godwin, all the guys at Alabama last year, um, just very 
very, very uh, schooled in terms of what they're asked to do from a technical standpoint, uh, and that's a credit to you, obviously, as a coach. But I want to ask you about Judy because he, you know, he goes and he wins the Blitnikoff Award as the number one receiver in the country at the college level as a true sophomore. In your mind, what is it that helps him stand out? What is it that kind of sets him apart from his peers? Yeah, I think his attention to detail and his technique. You know, um, you know, Jerry is a uh, obviously he's blessed with tremendous ability, um, but it goes further along that. You know, he, he has a plan on everything. Uh, you know, as far as the details and technique, that's what separates him. Um, you see his initial movements. You know, um, when you watch and how he sets up guys, nothing is by accident or by reaction. Um, you know, it, it's a firm plan. There's times where. You know, I can say, hey, do this at the top of the route. He'd go out and be able to perform that. Obviously, he's blessed with tremendous, um, you know, athleticism as far as, you know, talking about his ankle flexion and his body control. Um, he's another guy, too, that has great stride left. I mean, his ability, you know, that's one of the things that really kind of teased me at first with seeing receivers uh, is how well they can open up their stride lift and maintain their forward lane. Um, and that allows them to being able to sink his hips. Um, but Jerry's a very detailed guy, and you know he carries over detail um, so well from you know from teaching, you know, or whether it's you know, hey, this guy's going to play a certain way. This is how I'm going to release on him on a slant. You know, this guy, I'm going to run a corner route, but I'm a quick inside stem and make the defender feel like I'm running an over route. Stick my foot in the ground and get vertical and run a corner. Um, and so you see that those deliberate movements, but they all start with a plan. It's not him reacting what a defender does. It's about having a plan on how to attack the defender based on leverage or technique or based on route. Um, and that's what separates him, um, you know, from guys. And obviously that's a great room down there. You know, all those guys in that room are, yep. are you know, tremendous talents and NFL talents. Um, but the detail that they, that they play with and the detail that Jerry plays with is really what sets them apart with other receivers across the country. I think when you when you look at Judy and you look at uh, really a lot of these receivers that have come out, uh, you know, there's the, it used to be that we'd have that discussion, right, from a media standpoint. Uh, this guy's a slot receiver. Oh, this guy's a Z receiver. He's an X receiver. And those lines seem to have blurred a little bit. But I think st- some people still kind of want to say, oh, this guy's an inside guy or an outside guy. What in your mind? What are are there differences? What is it that kind of dictates that a guy has to play outside or has to play inside, or, or if he can play both, what does he need to have? Yeah, you know, I think there are differences. Um, to me, I've always been a firm believer that your best receiver or your most uh, skilled, detailed guy needs to play inside. Mm. Um, I think it is much harder to play inside than it is outside. Um, just with all the nuances, all the different type of releases, whether it's press at the line of scrimmage or really second-level releases, which I think um, is a skill, um, the ability to, to second-level release off nickels or, or linebackers. Um, and everyone thinks, hey, if you're playing inside, you're just going to get free release and free access. Um, but you got to have tremendous detail inside um, because the timing changes. You show up faster in certain windows. Um, you need to work certain details and techniques at the top to being able to create separation. Um, so I think it, 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 I think it takes tremendous detail inside um, and savviness, you know, whether that's working in short area space um, to play. But then, you know, uh, I've always been a firm believer in disease being more linear guys, um, guys that have a little bit more speed, good route runners, because you do have the ability uh, to move those guys around and play all over. Um, but that's typically a, a position of guys that, you know, have more linear speed and take the top off a route. And then your X um, is your one-on-one isolation guy. Maybe he doesn't have the movements of your H or Z, um, but he's a guy that's 
uh, you know, very smart, that knows how to win backside uh, when you have one-on-one situations. And so um, there is, I do believe there is a difference. I think um, you can always help minimize those differences in players by formation and how, how much you move them around. Uh, but the game of football really comes down to how do you create one-on-one matchups to put your guys in position to be successful. Um, and if you can move those guys around and allow yourself to be advantageous from that standpoint to create the matchups you want, um, you can ultimately turn each and every one of those guys into the most successful receiver that they can be. Yeah, you saw a lot of that last year, obviously, with Alabama and what you guys were able to do uh, on your way to, to the national title game from a, of, you know getting those guys open vertically down the field and creating those one-on-one matchups was something you guys did at a very high level, and it's something uh, that you'll look to continue to do this year uh, in Ann Arbor with a, a very talented receiving court coach. And I wanted to ask you about some of the guys uh, that you're coaching this year. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and uh, Tariq Black and Nico Collins, uh, a very talented group among others uh, there in, in, uh, in, with the Wolverine talk about some of those guys and what they bring to the table I know you got to work with them this spring you'll work with them again later this summer going into the fall uh, what do those guys bring to the table yeah you know I'm excited to get a chance you know they all uh, all three are different um, we've got a great room we've even got some young guys that are stepping up creating a name for themselves but uh, and I think when you look at you know those three and their skill set um, you know obviously they're blessed with um, you know tremendous size you know this is probably one of the bigger rooms uh, of guys that I've had uh, in the past. You know, Nico Collins is a guy that he's just, you know, 6'4", he's 225 pounds, 230 pounds, um, but he runs really, really well. And he can really sink his hips. Um, he's got great body control, and he's got a huge catch radius. He's one of those guys that's 6'4", that plays even bigger um, when you look at his catch radius from that standpoint. And then, you know, Donovan is a guy that, uh, you know, he has some linear straight line speed for a guy that's 6'2". Reminds me a lot of George Matthews um, that I was fortunate enough to coach when I was at Vanderbilt and played with the Eagles um, as far as, you know, being a, a long guy that can play inside um, as well with his movements. And, and uh, then you have Tariq, who's another guy who's 6'2 plus um, with straight line speed. And so, uh, you know, when you look at those guys, you know, I think their natural skill set is there. They've got the size, they've got the ball skills. Um, obviously, uh, Donovan and, and Nico have got tremendous game experience. Um, but when I look at the skill set within the wide receiver plays, now it's all about holding them accountable fundamentally. Um, it's about improving. Um, you know, their detail and technique and making sure that they're playing with great detail and not just rushing to get open, um, but understanding the nuances that it takes. But, and one of the challenges with having bigger guys is having, making them play lower, okay, making them have their center of gravity, being able to play with their hips down, um, being able to continue to keep their forward lane and, and improve their stride length. But also now you're talking about all those short area movements, playing with their knees inside their ankles. Uh, not just relying on being the big guy that bullies or push guys around, um, but really allow you to uh, uh, to maximize your skill set when you create such those dynamic movements of some of the smaller guys. And so um, that's been an emphasis this spring is, is, you know, we do a lot of movement-specific training, you know, just being able to, to play with our hips down, play with our knees inside of our ankles, um, and being able to control our movements there. And so I'm excited. When you look at the skill set and the talent those three guys have, as well as the other guys in the room, uh, and I'm just looking forward to just continue to grow those guys as receivers. And you know, I think that's been a huge area that has helped them as far as the detail and technique, as far as having a plan 
You know, we have all kinds of words and verbiage and short phrases for all the technique and details, but now they're more aware. And when they can learn to speak your language, that's when you know they start to get it. Um, and that's what's starting to click with those guys is now they're putting it in my terminology as far as the details so you know they're understanding it, and now, now they're able to go out there and execute it and play at a high level. Well, Coach Gattis, really, really appreciate the time here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. I know you're getting ready to head out on vacation. You guys are closing up shop there in Ann Arbor here for a few weeks before you return for training camp again. Really appreciate the time. And if you're not following Coach Gattis on Twitter, at Coach underscore Gattis, uh, really just an outstanding follow, especially when you want to learn more about wide receiver play. Coach, thanks again, and we'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck this year. Thank you, friend. Good luck to you guys at the Eagles, too, as well. Thank you. Just outstanding stuff there from Coach Gaddis, as expected. And before we move on with the rest of the show, I just want to talk about the Eagles Kids Club. And, and you can share the tradition of Eagles football with a young fan in your life with an Eagles Kids Club membership. For just $20, members receive an amazing welcome kit, invites to special events like the annual Halloween party, opportunities to win Eagles prizes with monthly contests, and so much more. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Kids Club to sign up today. All right, so like I said, great stuff from Coach Gaddis, who you can follow on Twitter at Coach underscore Gaddis. That's Gaddis with two T's, I and S. Coach Gaddis was just awesome. And for all of you out there, you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. You can follow me at FDuffy3 on Twitter. And if you go and you promote the show on social media, that's one of the things I love. But the number one thing is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show, Leave us a rating and leave us a comment. That helps bump us up in the rankings. It makes it more available for other people to listen to this show and helps the show keep going. So if you want to support us, I really appreciate the retweets and everything, and those are great. Keep listening, but go and leave us a comment, leave us a rating. And I want to give a shout-out to two people over the last few days who have gone on and done exactly that. Floyd Fan 73 and Sam Harris 5 both went onto our Apple Podcast page and left a five-star review and left a comment saying how much they enjoy the show. So thanks both so much uh, to you guys for all your support and all your continued support out there for our shows here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, I think that'll do it. Great stuff this week from Coach Gaddis. Uh, again, who you could follow on Twitter, and he was just outstanding. Really awesome stuff uh, from Coach before he headed out for summer vacation. And we'll catch you back next week. We've got more here in the coming weeks leading up to training camp. I'm hoping to have a show a week here as we get ready for the Eagles to return to South Philadelphia. Until then, we'll see you next, next week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade.